0: This is an emergency transmission from TV Cream.
1: Hello, I'm Graham, and this is TV Cream Stays Indoors. In this podcast, I send someone a link to an old TV show, and then once they've watched it, I call them up to find out what they made of it. Today, I'm talking to Ingrid Oliver, who's safely inside. Well, where are you safely inside, Ingrid? Um, I
2: am in. A flat in Ashford with no uh,
1: outside space. Really, gosh. Okay.
2: No, don't worry. It's it's a temporary situation. I sort of I'm in limbo between moving from my old flat into a into a new house. So, um, yeah, it was it was unlucky timing.
1: Let's it, it really was. Gosh. Okay. Well. Ingrid, the, the video link I sent you was for the first episode from the fourth series of London weekend television sitcom, Me and My Girl. My girl and me know that our love will last Which aired on Saturday, the 10th of January, 1987. Uh, actually, between Cannon and Ball and The Price is Right, if you're wondering. Um, before you'd even watched the show, what was your reaction to the prospect of uh, watching Me and My Girl? Do you know, I, I was delighted, actually. I have to
2: say, because I remember watching it first time round, and and it's funny because sometimes when I think maybe we all do this, but when you're in a in a sort of if you're in a dark place, Graham, mm. sometimes it's nice to watch old. I, I've definitely when I've been slightly in in a sort of place where I'm a bit sad or whatever, I like to watch old things, nostalgic things. I don't know why. And I tried to avoid doing that during the lockdown because I didn't want to get, I think nostalgia can sometimes be a sort of form of thumb sucking some yeah, ways, in, yeah. in some ways, if you know what I mean. And I, and I was trying to avoid that. Um, but you forced me <laughs> uh, to watch an old episode of a sitcom that I, I used to really enjoy. Um, I've actually now watched about five or six of them.
1: For people who don't know and shame on them, the setup up um, to me and my girl is that Richard O'Sullivan plays Simon Harrop, a widower who's bringing up his teenage daughter, Sam, played by Joanne Ridley. And he has some help slash interference along the way from his mother-in-law, Nell, played by Joan Sanderson. And this particular episode, written by Colin Bostock-Smith, is titled Love's Young Dream. Now, what, what, what happens in the episode? So,
2: um, in a nutshell, really... Um Samantha, who is now 15 years old, um, falls in love with a young cad about town. He's not really a cat about town. Um, but the episode is a sort of a series of miscommunications and misunderstandings where um, uh, Richard O'Sullivan, who plays the dad, sort of tries to talk to her about the birds and the Sam. bees. Hello, Dad. You're home,
1: early.
0: What? Yes, well, oh, so I am, but uh, still, gives us a chance to have a little chat. Hmm?
1: Oh, something wrong.
2: No, 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 no. No, I just thought it would be nice if we had a little chat, you know, like fathers and daughters do. And she thinks he's she's talking to, he's talking to her about his midlife crisis.
1: Yes, and I see what you mean. You do? Hmm? Yeah, and please, Dad, you've got to stop thinking like that. Like what? I mean, being over 40 isn't that bad, really?
2: <laughs> and so that, that conversation gets turned on its head, and then later on... He thinks that she's lost her virginity to this boy and, and, and it's, it's, it's just a sort of a classic case of miscommunication.
0: Now, look, is, is there anything you want to tell me? I mean, you know, something I've something said no. No? No,
1: no. no.
2: Yeah. So not, not a lot actually happens as such, um, but it explores that relationship between father and daughter and the sort of coming of age.
1: It's funny to think this was a Saturday night show in a way, isn't it? Because it's quite... It's gentle, or it feels gentle now. I wonder, do you think it was gentle back in 87? Watching it, it really
2: struck me that we don't, well, first of all, we don't have studio sitcoms, really, mm. anymore. And secondly, if we do have studio sitcoms, they're not about but quite small, truthful uh, human interaction, uh, particularly anymore. We've sort of cranked, cranked it up. Because if at this point, I feel like if people have made the decision to make a studio sitcom, it has to be big otherwise there's no point in doing it as a studio sitcom we just do it as a single camera Mm. so the joy of watching these sitcoms and i used to even sort of as like a nine-year-old 10-year-old girl which is sort of a bit weird I, i would i devoured sitcoms you know after henry may to december Me and my girl, and, and and it was that sort of the simplicity of it, like, as I say, which would now be similar single, single camera, but so it's it's slightly heightened, but it's it's still very truthful, mm. um, and I really really enjoyed that, and I'd like to see more of it. Actually, I it really got me thinking. I was like, why? What would it take to get a studio sitcom commissioned today? Mm. Where you go, and it's just a it's a the widower and his, his daughter. And we, I want a really big studio. I want a studio audience, multi camera. They wouldn't, it just would, I can't see that ever happening.
1: That's really interesting. You're right, because the studio sitcom today now is It's cartoony, isn't it?
0: Welcome to Mrs. Brown's Boys. She's Mrs. Brown.
1: That they're saying, well, let's just go larger than Jenny. life.
0: One moment, fear, landlady. No!
1: <laughs> if we're going to do it in that style, and if someone's going to do Me and My Girl now, it would be single camera, no laugh track. With a kind of gritty, gentle gritty underbelly, wouldn't it? It would, and I think, and also watching a few, of, uh, watching this
2: particular episode, um, and also others, is that Richard O'Sullivan, as the dad, he, you know, he's, It's funny this episode but actually he's doesn't sort of worried, reference maybe, yeah, hugely his. Well, I mean, most episodes are him chasing skirt. Bits. <laughs> bits.
1: You know, as in bits on the side. <laughs>
2: He's a bit of a player, even though he was very in love with um, Samantha's Mm. mum. She passed away, and so he then, after a respectful amount of time, sort of um, started dating quite a lot of women. Almost every episode, there's a a new woman. (laughs) Excuse me, you discussed my love affairs at school.
1: I thought they weren't love affairs.
0: They are not. They are not. They are not. (laughs) They are not. What they are is they are... (laughs) friendly
2: affairs. Oh, friendly yes Well, so you go to bed without loving them yes no but he's never he, 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 he makes the right decisions eventually always mm. so the episodes inevitably end on a sort of oh he's done the right thing
0: but no Sam there's uh, there's a new love in my life and well you'll have to know about it sooner or later well, go on. Well, since tonight, and without thinking such a thing was possible, I've fallen madly and passionately in love with your sausage rolls.
2: <laughs> Whereas I feel like a lot of comedy nowadays is the characters either don't learn at all, so they're a, they're a, they're just they are themselves in a, there's an essence of the character that sort of almost you can't learn from your mistakes otherwise you leave yourself nowhere to go
1: Mm. um
2: or they always make the wrong decision so that by the end of the episode they've sort of messed it up somehow Mm. and i and i really enjoy a a nice resolution where actually everyone's happy (laughs) at the end of it maybe it's just (laughs) because i crave that at the moment yeah um it's yeah it feels a bit more American like I feel like American sitcoms do that more than we do
1: yeah I think maybe nowadays our sitcoms are more about heinous flawed characters whereas with I mean all those ITV sitcoms that you've mentioned I think the commonality thing is it's a group of people that it's just nice to be in their company for 25 minutes
2: totally and I and I think maybe that was the appeal as well and they're always set they seem to be always set in the suburb yeah and I grew up in Surrey um, in the suburbs and my family was set up wasn't a sort of it was quite fractured so i moved around a lot as a child my family was quite fractured so i think what the appeal for these sitcoms was exactly that just a group of people who can't escape each other because they're stuck in the sitcom world where they have mm. to live in the same house mostly um and sort of enjoying the closeness the, the, you know the the how difficult that probably is as well when you're stuck with people, but also how
1: nice that can be mm. um, as a lot of people are finding out.
2: I imagine <laughs> um, in these, in these weeks.
1: Yes. Let's talk a little more about Simon. He wears a plum colored leather jacket and plum trousers. I mean, what can we ascertain from him? What you've, you've mentioned he's a bit of a player. He is, isn't he? He's, he's a kind of, he's a groovy dad or he's a, he's a trendy dad maybe, although Sam doesn't see him in that way. <laughs>
2: Well, he works for an ad agency, doesn't he? Mm. He works for—is it eye catchers? Eye catchers. Um, <laughs> I, wish, I, mean, I love that name. Work. i have not. I mean, it barely touches on any work that he might do. Um, and he's always out at lunch chasing a woman down a canal path, uh, or sorry, that sounds really dodgy. It does. So yeah. the, the episode that I watched, no, it was it was a doctor, and they were both jogging, and blah blah blah. <laughs> um, but um, so he does. So I guess by modern standards, he's a trendy. I think it's in Covent Garden, I think, the, the, um, the ad agency. So, you know, he's a trendy, you know, media mm. type. Even my mind now, and it certainly as a young girl, he looked ancient. <laughs> ancient. <laughs> and even to me now, because I'm slightly deluded about my own age, um, he looks older than, than people you would necessarily maybe find in, in those places now. Mm. Um, but yes, but he's very funny. Oh my
0: God, I'm so terribly sorry. And here I was worrying about silly little things like nuclear war and the incidence of lung cancer. <laughs> and all the time, your your little budgie was
2: pulling. He's very funny and very charming. Mm. And I love his, he wears tracksuits a lot. I, I, I like them all.
1: So I have a ruling that I don't normally like sitcom characters who within the fiction of the sitcom are witty. So Chandler in Friends, it always annoyed me that he's a bit of a wag. I always think they should be accidentally witty, whereas I, I think Simon Harrop, probably within the fiction of Me and My Girl, is witty. Well, does that bug you? Is that one of your rules? And if so, does he get away with it?
2: Well, that's interesting, because I, well, I remember when I first watched Friends, Chandler was my absolute favourite, and mm. watching it now, it would be uh, Ross. Mm. Uh, Ross like, and yeah. You know, the bigger characters that mm. actually you go, oh, that's much harder. Mm. And also having now done, you know, worked in comedy myself, again, that is much harder to do than stand and go. (laughs) Um, And so, but with Richard O'Sullivan, um, he does it very well and there's a truth to it. Sorry, that sounds really, that sounds incredibly accurate. No, I love it because it's true. Well, there's a wonderful truth to him, you'll see. Um, And so, no, it doesn't, it doesn't annoy me. Uh, particularly, it, it is funny because you know some of his interactions with with the very throwaway actresses who come in for one episode and then they're gone. Hmm. Um, he's he's very sort of borders on, you know, um, inappropriate. Oh look, here's one of the two of us on the beach together. Oh, I was such a horrible little prig. I know you never really approved of me going topless. Yes, but I did. <laughs> but they all love us, of course, um, and so. I wonder now how much that's dated, possibly. Mm. Um, but he's, but he's also vul- again. The very actuary word, but he's also very vulnerable. So he gets away with it, I think.
1: Mm. Also, he looks after his, he looks after his daughter, and his wife mm. dies. So mm. come on, that's the high concept here, isn't it? And also the lovely thing about it, it's a dad and daughter, and actually, they have a really healthy and very close relationship, which sort of is what each episode wends its way to at the end, isn't it?
2: It is, and. Um, what I also particularly like is that um, Joan Anderson, who plays uh, the Nell. mother-in-law... Nell, yeah. Yeah, so Nell, who's, who's the mother-in-law, so she's the mother of, of, of the dead wife, mm. um, lives N- with... Nell,
0: them. Sam does know about the birds and beasts. What about the means of preventing little birds and beasts? <laughs> uh, not that. No, not yet. Not Sam.
2: So, no. And also they have a housekeeper who's a Scottish woman, um, Isabel. Mr Harrop, mm-hmm. this morning I told you an untruth...
0: Yes, I know. You know? Mm. Did you manage to untangle your legs all right? Hmm? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Isabel,
0: don't look so worried. I assume Sam's told you something in
2: confidence. Yes, she did. So it's a house full of women, mm. um, which I really like. And I think it feels quite unusual. It feels nice to have basically essentially three women, essential central characters in the, in the house and mm. him sort of struggling with his own you know, masculinity and some and in some you know, in the bad bits of masculinity sometimes, um, which he gets pulled up on, but he's very gracious about. So he learns and grows and so
1: Yeah. He's great. I wonder if charm is an underrated commodity in in actors nowadays, do you think? Because Richard, is, he does get, he gets by on, I mean, I'm not, sorry, that sounds backhanded as if I'm saying he can't act, he can as well. But actually he sells a lot of what he does is through charm, isn't it? And you can, I, I don't know for certain, but I would imagine the show was written for him.
2: Well, it's interesting, because I, I think, because um, I looked up his his previous work mm. and I remember, I think they must, it must have been repeats because I would have been too young when it went out originally, uh, Dick Turpin. Again, it was quite wry, um, but he was, you know, swashbuckling. And... It's funny because he's not naturally, I would say, necessarily good looking in that way that um, leading men are these days. And I like that. I, I like... Someone who's clearly got by on his wits and his his charm. And um, do you like him? I can't tell whether you like him. I think you're on the fence a bit,
1: as an actor or the or, or the
2: character. As an as as an actor and as this particular well, yeah, both. yeah.
1: Well, actually, my answer to both is yes. No, I think he's great. I I think he really does have. It's a very unusual. Commodity. It's, a, it's something that I think people consider very safe about him. Uh, and safe is sometimes a pejorative, isn't it, as, as sort of being undemanding. But I, I think if you're on an ITV sitcom playing at tea time, he is precisely who you want to deploy because he comes on and the audience is like, oh, great. Well,
0: you're still very attractive to women. Yeah, well, fine. Now, listen... listen. Pauline's
1: mum said so. Yeah,
0: oh, right, fine, now, fine. Now, enough about me. What I'm actually
2: talking to you about... It, it, yes? Which is Pauline's mum? <laughs> I've done studio sitcoms before. This is the line. They are really hard to do. Harriet! Greg! You're the new gin client! Well, I, I started last week.
0: Wow! <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen you in, like, 20 years? You look
2: amazing. Oh, thank you. How do I look? <laughs> <laughs> How are you? Um, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll ske- I, my sketch-o, Watson and Oliver... with Lorna Watson, we filmed that uh, half, about half of that in front of a live studio audience. And that was slightly different because it was quite big and it was big sketches, but having, but doing sitcoms in front of a studio audience, you go, do I, sorry, am I supposed to be acting to, to you or to, to the, like one eye on the audience mm. or, you know, almost that nudge, nudge, wink, wink. But, but, but watching him and, and, and um, the daughter together. It's a wonderful day. It's raining. I know. I love the rain. I like walking in the rain.
1: Feeling it
2: soft against my skin. It's, it's very naturalistic. There is a lot of just really small moments.
1: <laughs> and I'm very, very fond of you. Bye. Which
2: you go, oh just God, that's, that's quite back. good. Um, when you know there's like an audience of like 200 Could you sit down a minute, please? people sitting mm. directly in front of you and moving cameras and lights and um, a huge space, like a huge open studio space. But you're having that moment. But it's quite difficult to do. Mm. And so, as you say, he's a, he's a safe pair of hands, and it's funny. Again, watching him brought back so many memories of that style of actor, that type of actor, from those areas of sitcoms. And it, and it is it is you have you it's hard to separate the nos, the nostalgia and be critical in a sort of in a you know as as Ingrid today watching it today and mm. separating that from from just the nostalgia of it. But there is something really joyous about that certain class of English actor who. I don't know, there's something something in the delivery and and the voice and the accent, the the accent which you don't really... Because it's sort of posh, but it's not quite posh Mm. um, that you don't hear. It's from an old school, you know, that they are... They were of an age where they were probably old enough to have trained um, and done sort of plays for today and all that stuff. Oh, yeah.
1: And it would have done rep and things like that. Yeah, completely. And it's
2: really... Yeah, it's very
1: comforting. What about Sam then? And so... Do you buy her as a 15 year old? And actually, when you know, back in the day when you were watching it, do you remember what you thought of her? Was she someone that you thought, oh, she's cool? I'd, you know, I'd like to be like her.
2: I think I do remember watching because obviously she she would have been, she was a few years older than me. And so I was sort of, any storylines to do with boys or it was, it would be like, (gasps) oh, right. Okay, um, I should watch that um, for for tips. Um, so yes, any any older girl was in, immediately uh, impressive to me at that age. Probably, mm. um, it's, it's, yeah, she was she was great, and she's very feisty, and she puts him in his you know she puts him in his place a lot.
0: <laughs> Look, Sam, the point is, this young man, Jeremy Dutton, is coming round here in a few
2: minutes.
1: What? Oh, Dad, how could you? What have you got to interfere? It's none of your business. Why can't you just leave Jeremy and me alone?
2: Which you'd want. Otherwise, obviously, that dynamic would be very boring. Um, mm. So you need someone who sort of holds his feet to the fire a bit. Um, but I love their relationship. And also what I love is that actually the sort of physical intimacy that the actors have with each mm. other. Because it is weird. I, you know, it's weird being physically intimate with another actor. If you're, if you're playing like a boyfriend and girlfriend, it's quite easy because you just sort of, whatever yeah you get on with you get on with it yeah but if it's like father-daughter mother-daughter it's that intimacy is so intimate that you have to fabricate that quite quickly with the other actor and it's really nice especially because it's an older man and a and a younger girl that that's quite a difficult thing to do but they're always they're very physical like he's kiss you know kisses are on the nose and she hugs him and it's just really lovely there's no self-consciousness about it
1: yeah um
2: and I really
1: like that. I'm interested what you're saying about that intimacy. And also it goes back to what you're saying about sitcom. That It must be very hard. It must have been hard for them to have found those moments where he is, as you say, kissing her on the nose or, you know, he'll ruffle her hair or something. Why Why do you say that familial in, intimacy is, is trickier? Is it because it is more subtle and kind of passing? Whereas if you're a couple, you're going to snog, well, you're snogging. That's, so, so is it those little gestures that are quite hard to actually... Uh, come up with
2: well it's hard I think because if you're a couple then it's just like expected that you're going to stand quite close to each other you'll probably kiss Mm. you might hold hands and and you'll probably you'll probably you are therefore probably of a similar age as actors um and there'll be an understanding about that Uh, but I think with familial because every every, obviously as well every familial relationship is different so Mm. you know mother-daughter father-son mother-in-law grandchild, whatever there's, that's not really, that, that doesn't, that didn't work. That last <laughs> one. Um, but there is, but so, so there are no written rules as to how anyone is, because everyone's different as well. Mm. Some people are very fit, Some people are very tactile some people aren't. Um, and also some actors are very tactile and some actors aren't mm. as, as human beings, as people. So you sort of, I love, uh, doing that when I'm, if I'm doing a scene with somebody, I like a bit of touching. But it's tricky because as as it is is funny because you don't want to freak someone out. Yeah. Because some people really don't like it. Some actors really don't like it. But it does really just the it's the shorthand for a relationship that you people will recognise, and it's really important, I think. And you can't because you don't script every he kisses on the nose. He you know yeah he he taps her on the head. That 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 will a lot of that will be um, improvised, and that's that takes a lot of trust, I
1: think. Yes, sir. Well, let's move to the other location, because one of the genius things is of the show is that they've bolted on, as you've mentioned, Eye Catchers, which is the advertising agency that Simon runs with Derek Yates, who's played by the sadly Miss Timbrook Taylor. But it's like the writers, um, you know, when they created the show, they've come up with what is essentially the home for all the B storylines in an episode, haven't they? Which, and I think that's quite clever. Do you think, is that admirable or is that lazy?
2: do you know what that's so funny it's very interesting you say that because i had exactly that thought i was like oh, this is, here's, here's the b story um because they were totally separate in this episode mm. and, and and other episodes they sort of managed to slightly intertwine them all but but tim brooke taylor does feel i mean he's always on the phone to muriel his yeah. wife
1: you're teasing me aren't you muriel? <laughs> this is my mischievous little moo isn't it <laughs> I you're winding up your growly derrick. <laughs> that's what she, she's doing, isn't she? Isn't she? Oh, isn't she? Oh. Well, she's like Captain Mannering's wife, so she's you know one of these great off-screen presences. And
2: so that's quite tricky for him, actually. I think because he doesn't get to engage as much with the sort of main storyline and the main characters. Mm. Um, and especially in this episode. And it did feel slightly, I have to say, um, with my critical hat on, that the, the, the two episode, the two storylines weren't that intertwined. They weren't, I, they weren't sort of thematically that supportive of each other, unless I missed something mm. um, quite important. So he, he's on the phone to his wife. It turns out that she's pregnant again.
0: Oh, God, what do you mean stay calm? Huh? I am staying calm.
2: And he's sort of always slagging off his children, which is very funny.
0: <laughs> Termites, goblins, little horrors,
2: yelling, puking, dribbling, fighting. <laughs> <laughs> I've
0: had 16 years of it, 16 years in a house smelling of ammonia.
2: He can't believe he's pregnant again, and by the end of it, he comes around to being deliriously happy about it.
0: So Derek, your good news is that Muriel's not pregnant. Not Pregnant? Mm. Rubbish! <laughs> she is absolutely and totally in the old pudding club! <laughs> uh, she is! Uh, she is! And I've put her there! Isn't it wonderful? <laughs> We're going to have another baby, I'm going to be a dad
1: again! My <laughs> sense almost is that the character of Derek for the writer is almost like where they have fun in in a way. I think that they can kick off because he's he's larger than the other characters, isn't he? There's a scene where he's relating to receptionist Liz the night when he thinks this baby was conceived. After we finished the bottle things sort of cheered up. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and then
0: you I suppose so, I don't really remember. <laughs> I do remember about four o'clock in the morning we decided to have a shower together. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't done that for ages. <laughs> anyway <laughs> I had this soap on a rope that the monsters are giving me for Christmas,
1: <laughs> and it's a lot more kind of florid than anything else in the episode. So, do you think that does happen that um, that you know, on a sitcom writers have a character they're like, "Oh, okay, I'm going to enjoy myself now. Um, let's do a Derek bit."
2: I think it's just it's also accepted or give, a given that you have to have a subplot, you have to have, you know a beast story hmm. because otherwise you'd just be too intensely on the on the main characters. But um, I mean, I have to, and, and Tim Brooke Taylor, who I absolutely loved from mm. The Goodies. Goody,
0: goody, goody, oh, yeah, yeah.
2: And I remember being obsessed with The Goodies. And this came just after, I think, The Goodies mm. um, finished. And he's, he's got one of those faces that you just, is immediately funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have to say within the context of this sitcom, I think, I don't know, but I think I'm a truth seeker, Graham. You see, <laughs> I love the truth. And I, and I really like the subtleties of the interplay between the father and the daughter. Mm. So for me, slightly the eye-catcher stuff felt slightly tacked on, only because uh, in the few episodes that I've seen, I've not seen uh, the relationship between Derek and Simon properly explored. And mm. I'm sure there are episodes that do that. Um, but I need, I'd like Derek to have a bit more bit more meat
1: i wonder if this is a gender thing or because because when i was a kid watching it i would long for simon to get into the office and the Derek stuff to kick (laughs) off so i would have been what you know 13 ish when this was on and so at that stage i don't want to hear girls stuff i don't want to see you yeah
2: it's embarrassing isn't it yeah
1: i don't want that so i want the you know the the silly Derek stuff and the rules are different for Derek as well because actually he's a he's a dreadful man all right i'm a sinner i've sinned on the odd occasion once or twice or (laughs) Um. (laughs) it makes it clear that he's cheated on muriel a zillion times but we just have to think oh silly Derek. oh Derek. yeah
2: yeah that is that's very interesting you say that and i think maybe i don't know it's not even it might not necessarily be a gender thing but i think you're right i think the writer will always go if people don't like this thing i'm going Mm. to give them also this thing Mm. and you know you probably do need a bit of light relief from you know the quite sometimes quite earnest storylines that are going on
1: mm.
2: on the other side of the show.
1: And it must be great to think that, you know, when you're, you're working on your episode, well, I've got Tim Brook Taylor, so I'm going to deploy him now. He's kind of a secret weapon, isn't he? He's not, you know, he's not even in the title sequence, but. Deploy. Deploy Brooke Taylor. <laughs> you know, someone should have a proper chat with Sam.
0: No, Nell, Sam does know about the birds and beasts. What about the means of preventing little birds and beasts? <laughs> no, 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 not that. No, not yet. Not Sam, no.
2: Sam, my dear boy, is a healthy, affectionate young woman. Can we talk about Jane Sanderson? Yes, yeah. I, and, and, I, and, I, and as soon as I saw her face, I was like, oh, my God, it's such a familiar face to me mm. from this show, probably, but also after Henry, which mm. I loved with Prunella Scales playing another matriarchal sure figure. She is extraordinary. I believed myself to be in love with a boy from the school across the road. And in a moment of passion, one night behind the hockey pavilion, I offered him my all. Good no, no. <laughs> what happened? He said it would spoil his rugger. <laughs> Again, that kind of actress that you don't really get anymore. And that's sort of someone who's done rep probably all their life and, you know, um, worked with the great Olivia, Larry, hmm. Johnny, uh, Gilbert. Um, she's got that, she sort of reminds me of what, it's what Hyacinth Bouquet would have been modelled on in hmm. some way, but a sort of more horrific, horrific version. Um, but she's so brilliant. I think she's amazing.
1: And I was surprised watching this episode because I remembered her as scary and as... You know, in inverted commas, the kind of the old boots. But actually, she's lovely in this, isn't she? She's really kind of... She is still scary, but she's also very supportive and very much part of the family.
0: He wants to speak to me. He wants to come round tonight after school. He said something very important's happened concerning himself and Sam. Now, (laughs) (laughs) what on earth can happen to a 15-year-old boy and girl that's that important, then? Whoa. Oh, God, no. (laughs)
2: And again, think, you know, again, there, there would have been an opportunity to veer into cliche, which is, you know, she's the mother-in-law, so she's mm. the mother of, 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 um, of Simon's dead wife. She could be deeply disapproving every time he brings a woman home. Mm. But he's very comfortable around her. He's not embarrassed. They've, t- they've had that chat. Hong
0: Kong? Yep. For three years.
2: Ah, oh, poor Sam. Oh, yes. How do you think she'll take the news?
0: Ah, well, she'll most probably do what you did when your chap told you about his rugger.
2: Sounds a nice
0: girl. I'll pick you up on that one later.
1: There's a scene where Jeremy comes over, where he's going to break the news to Sam that he's he's going to be his family are moving away, and uh, what I really liked was the kind of the counterpoint to that, which is Simon and Nell and the housekeeper all sat on the steps together, aren't they? Kind of listening, but they're just all huddled in close. I thought it was really sweet that they're all kind of sharing it and they're all involved and concerned about what's happening.
2: Really sweet and really supportive. I think someone, I think, um, I think Isabella, the the housekeeper sort of pats her on the arm. uh, Mm. was like, good luck, good luck. And it's a lovely, again, you know, it's comforting because you sort of go, because not everyone has those family units. And and, and by the way, not, they're not, that's not a, it's not a, a normal family unit and, and it can be fun as well. Mm. These fun households.
1: Um, The one thing I did notice, I mean, of course, gender politics and things are going to be different, you know, it's what 30, 40 years ago. And you, you know, aside from this attitude towards kind of womenizing men, there is this thing where there are kind of, there's Liz in the office, who is the kind of the receptionist and Isabel at home, who is the cleaner. And they both have to refer to the men as Mr. Harrop. Which I thought that was that's an odd thing. I don't know whether that is a sexism thing or if that was just a, a kind of a rightly shorthand for everyone's roles. Did it? Did did that strike you that moment? You know, them doing that.
2: It, do you know it didn't actually? And I think that probably again because I'm quite fluent in that language of sick mm. of those sitcoms of that time. Mm. So you know, it, it wouldn't strike me as particularly. Uh, odd also it sort of delineates it's like this person works for this works for him yeah and also there's no romantic interest there because if you're calling someone mr harrop then you're yes. not you know you're not on a you're not calling them simon um <laughs> so maybe yeah maybe that's it's probably you know and also the writer who knows that the writer again colin bostock smith who i again also I'm would he's written everything Mm. I mean, I think he wrote all of the, he wrote all of my childhood. So he might, you know, he must have been, I don't know how old he was when he would have written this. But, you know, there's a traditional, I don't know, there's a tradition behind it. He wrote Basil Brush, Roland Rat, and Cracker Jack. Gosh. Gosh. He also wrote As Time Goes By, which I loved. Uh, Spitting Image, Terry and June, Cannon and Ball. When I say, I mean, he wrote episodes for these things. I yeah. don't know if he had created of them. I mean, yeah. he was a busy man.
1: Are there opportunities to be journeyman, woman, writers like that today in telly to to straddle all those genres? Maybe all those genres don't really exist in the same way.
2: Yeah. I mean, well, it's that live, it's that live thing, isn't it? A lot of that stuff is, well, it's live studio audience stuff. When we were trying to find a director for our studio material,
1: mm.
2: it was very, very hard to find anybody
1: mm.
2: who had who was fluent in that, in, in multi-camera um directing mm. and i think we you know just as everything as just as there are sort of trends and things going in out of fashion i think writing has gone in yes into a much more you know the birth of the dramedy yeah or the the com that yeah. that's i um we you know sort of darker comedies so these sort of big big studio shows are not aren't there anymore so if, if someone like uh colin bostock smith i suppose he was just really good at it clearly mm, mm. because he he got all the jobs apparently um also he must have been prolific and yeah someone who he writes as well which i find incredibly difficult i have huge admiration for someone who could um if you seriously go on his imgb page he, he's written everything
1: he must have been for a producer he must have been if you're in a pickle you think well who could we well colin, colin brilliant he's free get colin in Oh, Colin's
2: <laughs> never free. Colin is never free. But if he likes you, he'll do it as a favour. He'll
1: find the time. He'll make it yeah, happen. Exactly. Yeah, Such an increased focus on comedy nowadays, anyway, but in a very different way, in a slightly more rarefied way. And so, you know, um, people or, or journalists like comedy to be authored. They like it to have a voice. And Colin Bostock Smith isn't going to do either for you, is he? He's going to just—he's going to provide you with something that's going to work, but in a not—you know—in a quiet way.
2: But the, and this yes, and th- you raised another good point, And I've been thinking about this a lot recently because I'm I'm trying currently trying to write something, which is is um is, it is authored, but it's and it's sort of autobiographical. But I'm deliberately trying not to make it about me. Mm. It's about my relationship with my with other people, my mother, and various, so and and so that they have equal weight. So they have their own scenes where I'm not. you know what I mean? Where I'm not in them. Very mm. selfless. I know. Mm-hmm. Um but i I know that with with a lot of author stuff it's a lot of it comes from rise of performers a lot now mm. um you know, and I include myself in that with our sketch show but um so it tends to come from a singular point of view, so it's very hard it's very rare to have those things give equal weights to um other characters but also show that interplay not just from one person's point of view and mm. i and that's why I quite like i think those you know people like the Colin Bostock Smith of this world are quite useful or very useful it's it's it's, I like it I like the whole thing and I like big laughs as well
1: Mm. I do I just want to go into a little bit of detail about the title sequence my girl and me Let's talk first about the theme song, which is sung by Peter Skellen. Tell me, what what does it do for you? The theme song
2: is absolutely brilliant. It is exactly what you want the mm. theme tune to a nineteen eighties sitcom to sound like. <laughs> It's always got—it's got a very American feel. I, it, it, in fact, it reminds me so much of another of a US sitcom um, theme tune, and I cannot remember what it is. And I've been singing it to myself all day. Do you know which one I mean?
1: No, I don't.
2: It's like. Um. But no, it's, I really like the theme tune. I really like it. It's very 80s. Mm.
1: There's
2: something very it just takes you immediately to a place.
1: It is, it's you know all the cliches. the The warm bath. There. It's and the, the
2: thumb sucking is what is what as we said
1: earlier. Yeah. It's that
2: it's that reassurance. That sort of nostalgia. Yeah, music. That's why people love theme tunes. People get upset. You know, people. You you I, theme tunes are so important. Mm. You react viscerally to a theme tune, if, if it has a memory for you.
1: A good title sequence and a good theme tune is your mum come in from the kitchen, our show is starting moment, isn't it? And I'm, I mourn the loss of that. I mean, I do think,
2: you know, it's really interesting because the way that a lot of comedy is going, there are some things that I've watched recently, I like I can barely see them. they're so dark. I'm like, I can't, what's happening? Mm. What's happening? <laughs> and, and, and somebody once told me, Robert Popper, who was the executive producer on, on our show, who's amazing and all, he's, he's a font of all things comedy. He loves mm. all comedy. He's just passionate about it. I remember him. I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was him that said, um, you can't do comedy in the dark. It has to be, you have to, you know, you have to be able to see it, it as to mm. be, you know, light. And I often think about that when I watch a lot of stuff nowadays, that there's a trend for like beautiful filming, absolutely beautiful, almost cinematic mm. uh, style of filming. But I think you do lose some of the warmth and some of the, the bigger laughs that could be had, maybe mm. it's more a sort of, huh, rather than, you know, a, a sort of great big chuckle. Um I do. I, 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 I'm right. This is it. I'm starting a campaign for, for, for multi-camera studio sitcoms yeah. to come back.
1: I feel you could do it. I mean, do you think, has your comedy, your own comedy aesthetic changed then? Do you think over, over the years or even maybe more recently? I mean, I've always been quite, I, I've
2: always liked big things, mm. And I, and I went through a phase of liking, you know. I think after like the office, it, as we all did, when mm. the office came out here, it was like, oh, that's a new thing, and sort mm. of everyone. And that's where everything then went in that direction. And I think I just got a bit. I don't know. Uh, I I don't I don't like things that are cool. I don't like things that are trying to be cool. Mm. And I think sometimes comedy can suffer from that. But I like silly and I like big. Um, mm. And I do like warm. I do. I. I don't want everyone to be a hot mess. I don't want everyone to always make the wrong decisions inevitably. Mm. Um, I'd I like people to sometimes get it right and to learn and to grow. <laughs> and that's and that's probably anathema to most <laughs> most um, comedy plots.
1: Uh, how did me and my girl fit into your day? Then did it? I got the impression it cheered you up so much so that I. I'm going to watch another
2: one after I've, after I've come off the phone to you. Mm. No, I, I honestly, it really did. And like I say, because I've been, I've been trying to avoid going down a nostalgia trip, but I, I really, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. So thank you.
1: And how are you finding life in lockdown? Um,
2: ups and downs. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah. uh, the ups were in the first couple of weeks when I became hyper productive and was incredibly proud of myself. And then a couple of weeks ago, I oh, know this is absolutely awful. And because mm. I hadn't seen anyone apart from the checkout. Woman who was slightly scared of me because I would talk to her like she was my best friend, just to talk to anybody um, I mean I was you know zooming friends and things, but that that's not quite the same mm. um and now i'm now i'm I'm okay again i'm 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 going to move in when lockdowns lifted uh, move into um a friend's house I'll at least have some company yeah um and yes, I've been learning Arabic this week, so I've been productive again as Good. A, because because why not because if there's one thing comedy needs it's more arabic uh
1: thank you ingrid for watching me my girl and thank you for talking to me about it
0: now stay indoors